Welcome to College News, and I am Tom Woodford. Welcome, everybody. Um, my name is Tom Woodford, and I am the college counselor here with Hilliard City Schools. Can you believe it? Your child's a senior. Uh, it's kind of hard to believe, as I've met with so many of them, and they can't believe that they're in the middle of this process. But uh, thank you for tuning in. Um, we hope to get through this, and so everyone, students and parents, have a better understanding of this process, especially of what's going to happen early on through the uh, college application process. We're going to go through roles, parents' roles, students' roles, um, high school counselor roles as well, and making sure everybody is on the same page when it comes to uh, college applications, looking for scholarships and things like that. And so uh, I am always free to help. I am always willing to, to meet with students and parents. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, you, your, your kids are, are in good hands. Your families are in good hands. I know the help and support that come from the uh, guidance office in all three high schools is outstanding. All of them are aware of how all of this works and they will work with kids. Um, they will begin to send out transcripts and, and do their part right after all of the schedule changes are finished. And so within about the, the second week of September, we will start to send out transcripts. And, and I am always available to, to meet with you as well. So let's jump right in. I have a lot of questions every year about Ohio State. And I just received uh, uh, this year's freshman class from Ohio State's data based on last year's senior and high school data. And just to help you understand, um, uh, since we all have, have been raised in the shadows of OSU's campus, let's just look at what happened last year. And so last year, Ohio State received, uh, received 76,710 applications. That was an increase of 7.6%. Since um, 2019, um, where they received 52,000 applications, uh, the number of students all over the country, all over the world, uh, more and more folks are looking to come to Central Ohio. They will have an enrollment class. Uh, they won't finalize that for a few more weeks, but it'll be between 7,900 and 8,100 freshmen. Of the students who submitted ACT scores, the average ACT score is a 29.9, with the average SAT score being a 1395. Of the students that were admitted, 67% of them were from the state of Ohio. Uh, they admitted uh, students from all 88 counties, Franklin County being in the top five of those. Um, they also admitted students from all 50 states. And of the students that they had um, let in, 19% of them come from outside of the country. So let, let's talk about standardized tests. Um, it is, we will go over more data when, when it comes to standardized 
testing and OSU. Uh, but there is an ACT on September 9th. Uh, the registration deadline is August 18th. That September test is the last test that's guaranteed to meet all of the early application deadlines. There are some schools out there that have an October 15th deadline like South Carolina, Georgia Tech, and many others. Uh, and so the last test is this September, um, September 9th. If your child wants to take the SAT again, um, the August 26th test uh, with a registration deadline of August 15th, uh, that's the last test that will that's guaranteed to meet all of the early deadlines. The October 7th SAT, there's a really good chance that it would still, uh, those scores will be um, sent to the universities by the November 1st deadline, only if students put in those schools for the scores to go straight there. If the students wait to see the scores first and then have them sent later, they probably will not make it, but they will have the best chance of getting there um, if they go straight there. So um, uh, again, September 9th, ACT, October, um, sorry, August 26th. Those are the last two testing dates that are guaranteed to meet all of the early deadlines. So this is very important. If your child says that they're going to apply with test scores, so inside of the Common App, there's a place inside of each university's own questions where students will have to ask, are, are you applying with test scores or without test scores? If they're applying with test scores, test scores must be sent from the testing agency to those colleges, from the ACT as well as the SAT. Tom Woodford, the other guidance counselors, Hilliard City Schools, does not have, we do not have any capability to send test scores. I bring this up because every year, within a week or so, week and a half after the November 1st deadline, I have between three and five parents call me very upset because their child's application to Ohio State is still incomplete but they had submitted, they've got the transcripts, letters of recommendation are there, but they don't have the test scores. And so the parents are wondering why that I didn't send test scores. Again, we do not have the capability to do that. Test scores must be sent from a student's um, um, ACT or college board account to those colleges. So please make sure if your child's going to apply with test scores, that those scores are sent. I would go ahead and do them now. So let's talk about test optional. What does that mean? Test optional means that students do not have to send their test scores if they feel like those test scores do not reflect the kind of student that they are, okay? So again, Inside of the Common App, students will, will tell colleges if they plan to apply with scores or without scores. So if they say, um, so if a student sends this, the um, test scores and those colleges have them, 
but they don't want to use them and they identify on the application that they're going to apply without test scores, they will not be used, even if they have them. So, um, and then if a student is going to take um, scores later on in September or August, and they're filling out the application now, um, they will be able to say that they have one more test scheduled to take and those scores will, will be coming. So there's a place to let them know that more scores are on their way. So let's talk about Ohio State and testing data from last year. Last year, 76,000 students applied. 49% of the students that were admitted applied test optional. 59% of the students who applied to Ohio State applied test optional. So if the kids that got into Ohio State, 49% of them did not have test scores. But of the kids who applied to Ohio State, 59% of them did not. So of the kids who got admitted to OSU, 51% of them had test scores. But if you look at the overall application pool, a little over 40% of the students that applied had test scores. So what does this tell me? And now looking at the historical data over the last three years, it means that tells me that, that if your child has competitive test scores, they should submit them because they are admitting more students who have test scores over students who apply test optional. College visits, it is not too late to do that. Um, I know I've spoken to a lot of students and parents who are doing that. I know some folks can't be here tonight uh, because they're actually on those said visits. And so it is important that you, 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 you and your student get those scheduled. You go and visit campus, speak to someone there, maybe speak to someone inside of the major, okay? And that's where you can collect a lot of information and find out if this school is a good fit or not. So let's talk about terms, important terms. Early action. So Ohio State um, offers early action and regular action. Early action is non-binding. Students can apply to as many schools as they want. Early action. Um, there's an earlier deadline, many times it's tied to their scholarship deadline as well. And then students find out fairly early in December or the uh, middle of January. Restricted early action. There's only about 20 schools across the country that offer this. Uh, this is you telling that school that of those 20 schools, you are my first choice. It is non-binding as well. So a lot of students and parents get early decision and early action confused. Early decision is binding. This is where you are, you can only apply to one school early decision. And you're telling that school that you are my number one choice. And the rule is if you get admitted to a school ED, and then that's where you're going. Now, when, when financial aid and all of that data comes out, Many schools will allow students out of that um, ED decision, 
um, if the financial aid numbers just don't work. Ohio State does not offer early decision. Um, only about eight, 18% of the different colleges all over the country offer that as a um, application option. Regular decision uh, for Ohio State is February 1st. A lot of schools, a lot of the Ivy League schools, it's January 1st. Um, that is their last deadline, okay? And then as, and then as um, schools are taking um, ACT and SAT scores, you might want to ask them if they super score. And if they do, that's when, if, if a student takes the ACT three times and scores a 26 every time, a school like Ohio State who does not super score will say that your child has a 26. If your child goes to Miami, they do, they might say your child has a 28 because they'll take the highest reading score from one test, highest English score from a different test, highest math and highest science. And that's how they will create a new composite, okay? There is a college fair that is coming up, um, the Suburban College Fair on October 8th over at Otterbein. Myself and Mr. Maggie are the two chairs of this college fair. We will have between 150 and 200 colleges there that day. It will be from 1 to 3.30. I will be sending out more information about that later on in September. Okay, so the application process. Students must, most students are going to be using the Common App. Over 1,000 colleges across the country use that one application. When students are using that application, they must link Common App to School Links. These two systems must be talking to each other. School Links is how we as school counselors send transcripts. This is how also high school teachers send letters of recommendation. Students will request letters of recommendation from teachers inside school links. And again, ACT and SAT score, scores, ACT and SAT scores must be sent directly from the testing agency to those colleges. So there are four different types of applications. One is the common application. Over a thousand schools use that. One is the coalition app. Around 250 colleges use that application. All of the schools that use the coalition app also use the Common App. I would encourage students to use Common App. There were some issues with the coalition app last year. Other colleges will have their own application, a school-specific one. Many colleges, like Ohio University, Capital, Wittenberg, they have their own application and they have the common application. And so um, colleges only want one application per student. All of the free application events that we will be hosting here in Hilliard with Ohio University, Bowling Green, then we have 11 schools coming to the hub from five to seven on September 14th, like the University of Dayton, Finley, Capital, uh, Wittenberg, Ohio Dominican, uh, Gannon, Eastern Michigan. Um, we have a couple HBCUs as well, Wilberforce um, and Central State. 
will be there. I think I'm leaving one out. But um, so all of those schools will be, will be using their own applications, and we we will be, we'll, we will also send transcripts that night. So again, over 55 schools in Ohio use the um, Common application. You go to commonapp.org. Um, over 1,000 schools use that as well, and, and um, students need to match Common App to school links. This, when students get to the um, Common App, this is the home page. So, what should students be doing? Students should be, they need to understand that this is their process. They should be filling out all of the applications, all of the applications. Parents, you do not fill out college applications. This is not your application. This is your child's application. Now, you should be looking over their shoulder or asking questions, uh, editing their essays and things like that, being a part of the process but they are the ones actually filling out the application. Um, each week, students get 168 hours a week to go to school, sleep, take care of some social things, eat, eat with mom and dad and things like that. I would encourage students to create a calendar for the week, as well as a schedule and create common times to work on all of these applications, okay? Again, students will be inviting uh, their teachers to write letters of recommendation in school links. Common app camps, I know we've been through a few of them already. I've got quite a few more left. Um, would love for students to sign up for them. There's a sign up link in, the, um, in my college news email that I've sent out for the last three weeks. Uh, students are welcome. To, to join me there and I get them through this whole process. They don't finish the application, uh, but they know how to and they have everything set up. So once a student submits their application, typically they will get an email confirmation from that college. And in that automatic email that will go out, it'll say something like, we don't have your transcripts. Well. You just submitted your application. So even if we've already sent the transcripts, they haven't been connected to each other yet on campus. Um, so allow that, allow time to, to make that happen. Um, students, again, need to request the transcripts and school links, and the school counselors will begin to send out transcripts in the middle of September once all schedule changes are finished, okay? Um, as you're working through, as students um, are going to apply and after they have applied, they will create an account for each of those colleges and they will be able to go look into their account and see, yes, the application's been downloaded. They have my test scores. They have my transcript. You will be able to see what the university has, what they don't have. Okay, but it does take them time to process all of that. Everything must be in by the deadline. Okay, admissions decisions. Um, all of your kids are going to hear admitted 
Uh, when that happens, that is great. They're going to hear this from multiple colleges. That means your child has options. They do not have to make a decision until May 1st. And they make a decision by sending in a deposit check uh, for housing or if they're living at home, just a deposit check for um, tuition. If your child gets deferred, that means, means maybe. That means they are going to take a look at the rest of the incoming applications. They're going to look at the regular application um, deadline students, read all of those. Then once they do all that, then they will go back and reread your child's application at that time. That's what deferred means. Typically, a place like Ohio State, they de defer a number of students, and then they usually let students know the, um, on, usually that last Friday in March, they let the deferred students know if they got in or not. If students hear that they are waitlisted, if they're waitlisted, then students have to tell the schools, yes, keep me on your waitlist, or no, take me off of that waitlist. The waitlist used on the other end for those colleges is what the way that they use that is they will admit students, they'll put a group of kids on the wait list. Then they will wait and see after May 1st, they know how many seats they have open. They will look to see how many confirmation checks that they have received. And if there's open seats, then they go to their wait list to try to fill them. The issue is your child may have had to put down a deposit to a different school and then the school that they were waitlisted might not come back to them until the middle of June and offer you offer them a spot off of the waitlist. If that happens, the worst thing that would happen is you would lose your deposit from the first school. And then unfortunately, sometimes many students are going to hear the word denied. That is not um, something that's personal. Many colleges, you can appeal that, uh, but I, uh, can be honest with you, very rarely have I ever seen anybody that's been denied uh, for that to be changed. All right. So the more selective the schools that you apply to, uh, the better chance that 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 this might happen, especially the ultra um, uh, selectivity of those schools, the the the, the highly selective schools, um, all students you know, have that as a possibility because they're also very, very small. If I look at a place like Case Western where they receive 30 to 40,000 applications, they can only admit about 1,700 students because they can only bring in 1,000. And so unfortunately, and still they admit students from all 50 states and they admit students from all over the world. And that's why it is just um, very difficult to get into those type of schools. So I think it's also important too that everyone understands, even once a student hears from a school over the holidays or in early January that they're admitted, nothing is finalized until they receive the final transcript in June. People don't understand this 
because they think that, well, once I get, once I hear, or if they ask for my fall grades, the spring grades and the what happens in the spring really does not matter. That is not true. Senior year does matter. And this is an example of that. A student who was um, admitted in, in, in um, December um, did not have a very good spring, received, received straight C's, and unfortunately uh, was denied admissions over the summer. And so uh, they had to um, take a look at final grades. The student had to jump through a bunch of different hoops, but unfortunately the child was denied admission in the middle of the summer. So then the student and the parents were scrambling on where to go. I remember talking to a parent that, that, that said to me once, well, if that ever happens, they better have a good attorney. They don't need one. Because um, if you read the fine print of all applications and all um, admitted letters that come home, it actually references that. So the, nothing is finalized until the final transcript is there. So this is something that was sent to me um, a while ago, but it is, it is important to understand that colleges are responsible for all the students that they admit. And so if there's a history of negative things being posted on social media, you know, one, that's going to impact admission. Um, and because if something happens when kids get on campus, then there's a history of, of said type of things, uh, then that school can be held liable for that. And so uh, colleges are using social media to, um, um, look in, in, to look into students. So parents, I'm going to reinforce what you've been telling um, uh, your children for a long time. Um, if it's not something grandma would want to see, then you do not want to post it. And so they need to be careful on what they are putting out there. So what are colleges looking for that students can control? So colleges are looking, are going to assess a student holistically. They are not looking at student A from Hilliard against another student from Dublin, St. Charles, or some boarding school on the East Coast. They're going to look at every student in the context of their own situation. When we send transcripts, we also send school profiles to help those colleges and universities understand the academic options. And so those colleges can also rate the academic rigor of the courses that kids have taken. They're gonna look at their GPAs. On our transcripts, we show weighted GPA. Some colleges will ask for an unweighted GPA. Many schools out there, especially in the South, South Carolina will create a new GPA on a four point scale for everybody. Schools like the University of Tennessee, they will create a core GPA for students and they will put that on a four point scale. So they'll throw out all of the electives and create a GPA for your child that your child doesn't even know that they have. They're gonna look at volunteer, they're gonna look at leadership, organizations that they're a part of outside of school or they're part of clubs and sport teams here, demonstrated, uh, demonstrated interest, have have you have you and your child been on campus? Did you speak to those folks at a college fair? They track all of that. 
They also want to know about work experience. You know, work is, is something that colleges look at very, very positively. So on the Common App, there's an area for activities. Kids get an opportunity to put in 10 different type of activities that they have been a part of. So what are some things that they that students cannot control? They cannot control um, institutional need. Is that fair? All depends who you talk to about that. But as I reference Ohio State, I also reference Case Western and, and many other schools. They're going to admit students geographically as well. They're going to admit students. The state schools in Ohio are going to admit students from all 88 counties. They're going to admit students from all 50 states. Um, sometimes if students have an athletic skill that, that can aid them in getting in, the coach can have an influence on that or some kind of a special talent, being in a band, playing some, some kind of instrument or um, having some other special talent that helps um, many times. The schools that do not say that they admit students financial aid blind, you will hear Ohio State say that, but other schools, a lot of the private schools don't. So, you know, the ability to pay does have an impact on uh, getting into said schools. Uh, legacy, uh, being a child of some of a parent who had gone to um, that school, many colleges are, are taking that away now. Um, especially since the Supreme Court decision and with affirmative action, um, if we're, if, if we're going to base things on merit, then uh, where a parent had gone to college doesn't have any impact on that merit. So a lot of these things, is it fair? Is it not fair? Um, uh, everybody's going to have their own thoughts on that, but um, I just wanted to point out that is part of the process for a lot of schools. So what should you expect from your school's counselor? Your school's counselor will submit letters of recommendation if your child asks them to write one. Many schools like Ohio State, they only allow one teacher recommendation. Uh, they don't want any more than that. They won't allow any more than that. Schools like Case Western, the Ivy League schools require two letters of rec and, and then on top of that one from the high school counselor. So if um, your child needs a letter from, from the school counselor, they need to go speak to their high school counselor. Counselors will send the transcripts. They will send those letters of recommendation. They will meet with students and help them as much as possible. If the colleges your child um, are going to apply to need a mid-year report to look at their grades in December and January, we can also send them. And then I will be offering all kinds of in, informational meetings, videos like this, free application events. We will offer a financial aid meeting, I believe it's September 27th at Bradley at 6.30. That is something everyone should be a part of. So parents, as I've talked to many students, they have direct control on the type of parent that you are going to be on this. And so if we don't know what's going on, we don't have any choice as parents but to become that helicopter parent. And when that happens, 
Um, we're asking questions. We're not getting the answers we want. We're going to ask again, maybe louder. And we're just going to get more involved and that's going to become a stressful time. So I advise students to communicate with mom and dad, let them know what you're working on, when you are working on it, when you plan to submit, allow you to see what they've written, what they've done. Because what you want to be is the submarine parent. It means you're, you're around, you're all-knowing, and you're ready to take action when needed. And so I've been advising your kids that they're in control of the type of parent you are going to be for the rest of this fall. So um, hopefully things will go smooth. So what are the top 10 mistakes that are made when students are filling out their applications? One is leaving out parts that students might not think are very important. Writing a cookie cutter essay. The essay needs to um, create a new vision of, of you, of the student that the reader is getting that's different than what they got from looking at the application. Uh, not updating any kind of information if they get into National Honor Society as a senior, if they win any awards, all right, different things like that. You wanna update that with the admissions counselor from each school. Students need to be checking their emails. Colleges are gonna be reaching out to students via email. It's important that they do that, all right? Or if students are applying to colleges, just because maybe a family member went there or they're applying to a college, but that college doesn't have the major that the student wants to study. That is a huge mistake that is made every year, all right? Demonstrated interest, visiting those colleges, going to college fairs, communicating with, with those reps are very, very important. When our students do not ask questions, they don't get answers back. And so it's important that they do that. Um, slacking off senior year, as I said earlier, senior year is not a recreational activity. It is something that is part of the final decision. Missing deadlines. This is something I think that we do a poor job in Hilliard. We allow kids to, to miss a deadline, turn things in later. We're focused on what they're going to learn, which is great. Uh, but then kids get into a habit of just turning things in after a deadline. Ohio State's going to receive over 76,000 applications. If you miss a deadline, it is going to cost you opportunities. Ohio State's, a lot of schools, Miami, Case Western, a lot of schools, their early action and scholarship deadline is November 1st. They must have everything before that date. If it comes in after that date, they're going to tell you that they care, but I'm going to tell you that they don't because they had over 50,000 applications come in before that date. And so now your application is now being moved to the regular application deadline, which means they can still get in, but they cannot get any merit scholarships. And the number one thing is, too, is having somebody else, aka a parent, filling out the college applications. Parents do not fill out college applications unless you're filling out your own to go back to school, but you do not fill out your child's applications. I know they're busy. They should be busy, 
but they need to fill out their own applications. We as parents need to be a part of it and looking over things, but we do not fill out those applications. I only dig my heels in on certain topics. This is one of them. Um, I actually have had colleges call me and ask me, do you think? And so if I know I'm not lying to any college, I'm not gonna do that. So again, um, these deadlines are not the soft deadlines. Your children do not have to make a final decision until May 1st. In April was when is a very stressful time because that's where that's when students are having to make that final choice. So um, the free application for federal student aid, there's major changes coming to it. We will have a um, um, financial aid meeting September 27th at 6.30 at Bradley. Typically the FAFSA opens up on October 1st. Uh, this year, there's a lot of changes happening. I've heard that it is gonna be delayed and won't, won't open till January 1st. Uh, but it is based on 2022 income. So um, students will go to fafsa.gov, do not go to fafsa.com. Um, if you have older kids that are in college and you fill out the FAFSA, you got a thing called an EFC, the Estimated Family Contribution. Uh, that's being changed to the SAI, the Student Aid Index, aka it means the same. It's what the federal government believes you can afford for college, okay? You will not need an FSA ID number. Uh, that is something that you had in the past. Uh, we will... Uh, they will have other other ways to do that. Now, if you have, if you're interested to get a general idea of what the true cost might be at a school, on every university's website within two clicks of the homepage, there's a thing called the net price calculator. You can put in some basic information. It'll give you an estimate of what the true cost would be at that school. If your kids are looking at some private schools or schools on the East Coast or in the South, Many of those schools will ask for a second document that's used to create a financial aid package. And that is a CSS profile. We've had parents skip over this because they had never heard of it, uh, but um, uh, it's important that um, you fill that out if it is required. What I would do, I would create your place to keep all of this organized, create a college central place at home when my kids both went through this, we created the dining room. That was it. I knew when, when they were sitting in there, um, I would see them in there. I knew that they were working on their applications. They were working on their essays. If they needed to um, collect everything from all these schools, we bought them a divider from Target. Every university had their own uh, file. So we made files and did not make piles. If you need to contact me, feel free to do that. It's best to um, send me an email at tom underscore woodford at hboe.org. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, excuse me, I'm always sending things out about meetings, test scores, scholarships, things like that. I also have a podcast, which I will roll over the audio from this into. So if you need to 
you can watch it there as well. So um, thank you. I'm so excited for your child's senior year. I'm excited to, to meet with you. Uh, this senior year is going to fly by. And so if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Thank you.